Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. We are continuing our series called The Fire Within. It is a series on the Holy Spirit. Um, Abuni Elijah described him as the forgotten God. So many of us, when we address our prayers, we pray to the Father. We say, Dear Heavenly Father, or we say, Dear Lord Jesus Christ. But what the church has taught us is that the third person of the Holy Spirit, we also address our prayers to Him. Even in the Igbeya, we say, O Heavenly King, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who are in all pl- places and fills all things. We, we pray to the Holy Spirit. And what I want you guys to understand is I don't want you guys to understand the Holy Spirit with your mind, but you have to be willing and able to experience the Holy Spirit. It's so important because what, what I want you to understand this morning is that if you understood the Holy Spirit and you lived in a way in which you allowed the Holy Spirit to work through you, you would be living in a different world. You would be experiencing God on a whole nother level in a whole different way than just the way we pray, dear Lord, be with me this day. Lord, I have an exam. Help me to pass. Dear Lord, you know, help me to get this job, uh, get hired at my job. Dear Lord, make this problem go away. That is the lowest way to experience God. That is, if that's how we are, don't take offense to this, but you are now in like less than, you're in KG1, like you are in kindergarten. We need to advance our experience of God and His Spirit. And I want you to imagine, if you read the book of Acts and you see what the Holy Spirit was doing in the people of God. I'll give you a first example. Saul of Tarsus, St. Paul, Saul of Tarsus was going around persecuting Christians, throwing them in jail, putting them in prisons, killing many of them. Even we saw that he killed Stephen. And then what happens? The Bible says, and the people went, were scattered everywhere preaching the word. I want you to imagine, ISIS is, is coming into Fairfax, Virginia. They're knocking on doors, okay? And they are looking for Christians, and they are killing them, and they're looking for Coptic Christians, and they're, you know, checking everybody's IDs. They know, imagine if you, okay, it's like a mom and her kids. What's the first thing you're thinking about when, when you hear this news? Okay, they're here in Fairfax, Virginia. You got to go. What's on your mind? Get the heck out of here, right? I don't need to see about anybody. We need out. I want to run for my life. You know what the Bible says? It says, as they were scattered, they went everywhere preaching the word. I can't even get a visual of running for my life. But on the stops along the way, I make sure that everybody knows the word of God. You say, what is that? That is a group of people. And this was not St. Paul St. Peter, this was just the church. And so I challenge you now today and to say, okay, if that was the church, and that's what the church is supposed to be, well, where is that fire now? What's going on that I'm not feeling this or I'm not experiencing it in that same way? In the life of the church, the book of Acts, in the lives of the saints, if you read the lives of the saints, you feel like you're reading a cartoon, right? Because it's, 
It's people are, are, you know, doing amazing miracles, experiencing amazing things. You're like, what is that? Is that real? Unfortunately, it's so far from our understanding of God because we are misusing, or I should say we are misguided in our walk with Christ. And so I'm challenging you this morning to think about what my life is supposed to be. As we speak about the Holy Spirit and the fire within us, we don't want to just understand it, but we want to experience it. What should it look like in my life? If the Holy Spirit is alive in my life, I should be speaking for God and living for God. Do you speak for God? Like, do you wake up in the morning and say, all right, God, I don't know who I'm going to run in today, but I know that you have something that you want to speak through me and, and to whoever. Maybe it's my wife and children. Maybe it's my neighbor. Maybe it's my boss. Maybe it's every day you are there to speak for God. I remember, you know, I was known back, you know, in, in the office. I used to work in a bank. And, and everybody knew I was always taking time off to go on retreats and to go on missionary trips. So they knew I was always taking time off. I was very involved in my church. And it came to a point where God was like, he was like blessing my work in the early hours of the day so that I could be there to serve him. My boss would have a problem. He'd come into my office and want to sit and talk and open up. It was almost like my nine to five was just meant to, I was meant to finish some work in the early hours, but God was there to give me a whole other purpose. That everywhere I went, I was speaking for God. I knew that I was God's. Anywhere I am, I am supposed to be God's vessel. If you look at St. Paul, St. Paul, the way he interacted with God is that he told God, basically, all right, God, I'm your man. Use me however you want. God says, are you sure? He says, okay, you're going to be a prisoner. I'm going to put you on a boat with 276 prisoners. This ship is going to probably go shipwreck. I need you to be there, Paul. Let's do it shipwreck and everybody's throwing stuff over and everyone's fearing for their life and saint paul says don't worry everyone don't fear the lord revealed to me we're going to be okay and so they followed saint and finally they got to to the shore and they landed and they trusted that saint paul is god's man on this ship he put him there on purpose to be used they get there then there are these like savages people who are you know these like uh, tribal people, they go, they see St. Paul, they're sitting around a fire, and then all of a sudden, a snake jumps out of the fire and bites who? What are the chances? It bites St. Paul. You're like, of all of these terrible prisoners, God, out of everyone that deserves a snake bite, the snake bites me. He says, you said you're my man. You said you're the guy that I'm going to use. Snake bites him. Everybody says to St. Paul, his God must be angry with him. What is it? Then they realized that the poison didn't affect him and that he was, had this power and they began to almost worship him. That is the power of God. That is somebody that says, I live for God. To be powerful in Christ. Do you have power? Do you have power among your friends that there are people that are in bondage of sin? People that are in darkness. And you are in that friend group or you are that neighbor or you are in that cubicle to have power to set people free. You say, what are you talking about? That's like the book of Acts. That's the church. What a waste it would be if God himself, God the Holy Spirit, is living in me, meant to speak through me 
to, to work in my mind, to use me to do mighty and wonderful things for him. And I'm just going around saying, like, Lord, just leave me alone. Let me just stay in my little corner and do my thing. Wrong. And then what would God say when we stand before him at the pearly gates and, and you know, God says, all right, tell me. Like, tell me how it went. And you're like, what? Like, like the Holy Spirit was inside of you and like you were living in, you know, D.C. or you were living in Virginia and you went, like, tell me about it. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you, I gave you my, my spirit to be in you to do mighty things through you, to transform everyone around you, to be a source of blessing and healing and hope and strength. And you're like, well, I kind of picked up some bad habits. I had a few addictions. I made some bad choices. I got in some bad relationships. You're like, what are you talking about? Imagine I tell you, I want you to go, I'm going to give you like $10 billion. And you can go to Egypt, right? $10 billion times 30 pounds, right? Do the math. Okay, it's like 300, 300, million, 300 billion pounds, okay? I want you to imagine, I'm giving you $10 billion, go to Egypt and do what you want. Go do something. And you're like, well, we went and we found this like, this slum area that we made camp in and we just, you know, we had fool and time. It was really nice. You're like, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Like I sent you there with a power and a glory. What's wrong with you? To be powerful in Christ. To minister to the needs of others. To live fearlessly. How many of us are so afraid of... So we just took um, a group of high school youth to Baltimore this weekend. I was just with the mission with the high school youth. The kids are out there speaking to drug addicts. They went to a drug addiction center. And the, the, the girls that went, they were like a little bit nervous. I'm like, guys, go for it. You have nothing to lose. And they were out there, and one of the girls opened up her Bible, and she shared in the Word of God. And the guy said, thank you. I feel like you guys were an answer to my prayers today. These are 16, 17-year-old girls going out there and preaching to drug addicts. And then they did like this event in a the park. They're speaking to the poor in the community and the homeless, and they're out there giving Christ. What are we doing? That is what a community with the Holy Spirit looks like. But there's a few conditions. You know, there's people who read the Bible. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you out there read the Bible and you're reading like, I don't understand anything. You know why? I'm living like carnally, like in the flesh. Not, I'm not a spiritual person. And so when I read, I'm like, what, what is this? And there's other people, they read it and like fireworks are going on in their mind and their heart. Like the Lord is speaking to me. And the Lord is alive. And his word is powerful. And his word is like directing my steps. You say, people who live according to the spirit, I'm in God. I'm following God. My life is for God. I'm not distracted by my white picket fence and the little dog and the poodle in the front yard. Like, I'm not distracted by these things. I'm here for God. And so that person that lives in that way, all of a sudden you read the word of God. Like you have all these like, I'll never forget, there's a, there's a priest that, that when we were younger, we went to Kenya. He was serving in Kenya at the time, and he would read the Bible. And it would be like, you'd be doing a Bible study, and the, the first verse would be like, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And we're like waiting, okay? And he's like, he'd be like, wow! <laughs> what? what? What are you seeing in this passage? And he preached for another 25 minutes about this verse. I'm like, Wow! 
He's reading the word of God in the spirit. I'm like, I'm like looking through my page. I'm like, is there something? Am I missing a verse? Like what? He's like, he would stop at every word. He'd be like, you know, therefore. And he's like, let's stop here. I'm like, stop where? He's like, it just says therefore. Like, what are we stopping at? And he would just, the word of God. So my fear is, and my encouragement to you, is that I need to be filled with the spirit of God. And we're going to read about a person this morning that was hungry for the word of God. There's people who are seeking him, thirsting for him. And those are the people who understand. And those are the people, there's a light that brings like, like life to the words on the page. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. It says this, these are things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Okay, so you all have the spirit of God, right? You've all been baptized. You've all received the Holy Spirit. You have to understand this. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. You know what it's saying? It's saying the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not mirroring. Forgive me. I got so excited to preach that I forgot to mirror. Sorry. It says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. You know what St. Paul is saying? The spirit of God is supposed to take the secrets that are in God, secrets, and reveal them to you. Show you what you're supposed to do in your life. How many times have you asked, what is God's will for my life? That's the role of the Holy Spirit. To show you, I'm going to use you in this thing right now. Maybe it's a trial. I'm going to give you a trial. The snake is going to bite you. But I'm going to use you for something. I need you to know the deep things of God. This is what we speak. This is what St. Paul is saying. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Pay attention to that last verse. Pay attention to that last verse. I don't know why it's showing the slides like this. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. I want you to understand something. If God is revealing something to you and directing you in a direction and you're saying no or you don't hear it or you don't get it, chances are you've put the Spirit of God asleep in your life. and You don't know. and You're lost. And I don't know how I ended up here. Spirit of God is silenced by my own choice. Be careful of this. Young people, the Spirit of God, is supposed to, you're supposed to turn the world upside down. And you don't want worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom leads to destruction. And the devil, once he starts telling you things, you're like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And boom, you found yourself in the worst situation with the worst habits and the worst addictions and the worst people around you. The Spirit of God wants to give you powerful things 
Listen to John 4, 24. It says, God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. What does that mean? He's saying, you don't just go to church and just say the hymns. and No. You worship in the spirit. Like I'm seeking God. My heart is deeply connected to God. I'm every day connecting with him in my room. I'm praying. I'm lifting up my heart. I'm hearing his word. It's filling me. I'm speaking back to him. He's speaking back to me. That is what we are supposed to have. And so we need to seek this. We need to find out how, why can I not hear God? Chances, chances are, we're going to see right now what are the challenges. We're going to study 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of Israel. And he comes and he meets this person named Elisha. Okay, so we have at our church, we have a father Elijah and a father Elisha. Not to throw you off. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yokes of, yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Pay attention to this. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak or his mantle around him, his like outer garment. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So let me just explain in case you're not getting it. Elijah is walking. Elijah, everybody knows Elijah is like the prophet of the Lord. He's like the man of God in that generation. You know, he's bringing fire from heaven against the prophets of Baal. He's the most powerful prophet ever. And all of a sudden, he's walking on the street. Elisha is just doing his thing. Elijah takes, off, Elijah takes off his coat and throws it on Elisha. Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Hold on. I want you to understand this. Neither Elijah knows what's going on, nor Elisha. Do you see this? God stirred up in Elijah, take your cloak and just throw it on Elisha. Elisha's spirit was so sensitive that he knew. He was like, all right. I'm going to go say bye to my mom and my dad. I'm going to get rid of all the oxen, and I'm going to be your disciple. He's like, what are you talking about? What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered him. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he sent out to follow Elijah and became his servant. You know what this means? When Elisha, when you have 12 yoke of oxen, do you know how many oxen you have? How many oxen do you have if you have 12 yoke? 24. Do you understand what it means to have 24 oxen? That's like having 24 bulldozers, okay? So he's a farmer. He has 24 bulldozers. He's very rich. He was waiting. He was hungry for the Spirit of God. He was dying. God knows what Elisha had been praying, but he was telling God that there was something called the school of the prophets. So people would enter into the school. They would be trained in how to be prophets of the Lord. Elisha, when Elijah threw his cloak on him, Elisha's like, all right, Lord, I'm ready. He's like, Elijah, hold on. I'm going to go say bye to mom and dad. He took his 12 oxen. He took the equipment, burned the equipment. He cooked the meat of the oxen. So he now has, no longer has oxen and he no longer has equipment. What is he doing? He's breaking bridges and saying, I'm not going back. I am for the Holy Spirit. You see, 
He had a thirst for God. If you're not experiencing power in your life, if you're not experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit in you, you need to say, God, give me a thirst for you. I don't thirst for it. And then all of a sudden, Elijah throws his cloak, and Elijah's like, all right, Lord, I know what you're saying. I'm all yours. And to make sure that I'm going to follow you, I'm going to break all my bridges. I'm not going to be able to go back to my old way of life. All the oxen are gone. The equipment is gone. I'm for Christ. Have you made that decision yet? Have you made that decision to say, I am for Christ. I'm not for the world. But you have to break your bridges. Because there's some things that keep on pulling you back into a life of sin. There's people in your life that you need to cut out. There's habits. There's social media apps. There's apps on your phone that keep on dragging you back into sin. If it's a smartphone, then you know what? There's, a new, there's an old invention called the flip phone. You're saying, Abuna, like it's, it's 2023. Who walks around with a flip phone? Somebody who's hungry to be set free and to be free in Christ. Some people are crazy for Christ. Some people are starving for the Holy Spirit because they want everything that I just described in the beginning. The power and the influence and the hearing the voice of God and being used by God and speaking for God and being like this special vessel which all of you are supposed to be. This is not for people in black galabeas. This is for all of us. This is our calling. Don't accept a cheap way of life. The mantle, this mantle was imparted to Elisha. You see, Elisha's obedience to heaven is what invited the Holy Spirit into his life. His obedience to God in his commandments, in his ways, was praying for him. Imagine God is looking at one man who wakes up in the morning and says, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to follow you. I want to be yours. That obedience in doing what God asked of him every day and following his commandments and trying to honor him was praying for him, was speaking to heaven, and heaven's like, that guy, Elisha, over there, that's my man. Elisha doesn't know what's happening. His obedience was speaking to heaven for him. Something so beautiful to think that God is, is looking for the people that are already seeking him out of obedience. So the first thing, if you want to receive the Spirit of God, you need obedience. Obedience to the Word of God and His commandments. Obedience to your spiritual father. When your spiritual father comes and says, you need to make this change, you say, okay, why? If I'm trying to go down the path of God, I have to trust that the Holy Spirit is leading me in the sacrament of confession. Look at this passage here. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 2 to 15. I know people don't like to read a lot of passages, but it's a story, so follow along. Try to, if you get distracted, look at the screen. Everybody look at the screen with me. And it came to pass, this is 10 years later. So Elijah threw his mantle on Elisha. He burned the oxen, did whatever, followed Elijah. This is 10 years later, this setting. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elisha went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. He's telling Elisha, basically, hang out here. I need to go somewhere else. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. 
So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. So basically the other prophet guys are saying, do you know that your master, because they're prophets, so they know that Elijah is about to leave. They're saying, do you know that your favorite master guy, he's leaving you. He says, I know. Be quiet. I don't want to hear it. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the third time, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. What's Elijah doing? Elijah, I'm going to tell you guys in a little bit, but I want you to think Elijah keeps on saying, okay, Elijah, you stay here. I'm going to go and do the work of God. And Elijah says what? No chance. I'm not leaving you. I'm sticking right next to your side. Number one, he knows that Elijah is going to leave. He wants something. He wants something from Elijah. He's like, God forbid, he goes to Jericho and he dies or something happens to him out there and I miss out. I'm going with you. Beautiful. Verse 7, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, that coat, the cloak, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah, which is that cloak that he threw on him, that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Now it's Elisha's turn. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water... It was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. This mantle is a sign of like the spirit of Elijah. And Elisha's like, I want your spirit. I want everything that you have. I want to be a man of God. I want to serve him. And so he followed him for 10 years every day. Elisha was known as the man who washed Elijah's hands. Serving Elijah. He's saying, I need the spirit. I need to be around you. There's four tests that Elisha had to endure. First one is the test of loyalty. Here they are in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 2, 4, and 6. They keep on saying, Elijah keeps on telling Elisha, just stay here. And Elisha is telling him what? 
I'm not going to leave you. It's a test of commitment, not a convenient love. I'm asking you today, how many of you guys are following Christ out of convenience? Yeah, church is 15 minutes away from my house. 9 to 11 is perfect. That's as much as I can fast. Uh, I can go to light in life if there's coffee. If there's no coffee, maybe I'm not going to show up this week. Like, I can follow God. I'm going to fast if it's like, you know, I'm going to get something out of it. But if it's like during summer months, I'm probably not going to do it. Like, convenient love versus a covenantal love. Elisha, Elisha tells God and Elijah, I ain't leaving you. I am not leaving you. I need your spirit. I need the spirit of God. I need that joy that comes in Christ. I need power that comes in Christ. I hate feeling defeated by my sins and my guilt. And I hate having uh, dumb friendships that lead me to to headaches and and get me into trouble and I lose my life. I hate that. Now I want a new life. First test is the test of loyalty. Not a convenient love, but a covenantal love. Some people spiritualize their unfaithfulness. Imagine Elisha could have told Elijah, you know, okay, the Lord told me to stay here, so I stay here. No, it's a test, Elisha. Go after him and don't leave him and you stick to Elijah and you're going to get what Elijah has. So he kept on saying, I'm not leaving you, three different times. Two things tied him. He said, as the Lord lives, means he has the fear of God. He has the fear of God. And the second thing is, he stuck to Elijah, the pain of being deserted or being abandoned. So he stuck to Elijah. Next test, test of loneliness. I want to tell you something. If you want to experience the Spirit of God, it's not going to come with the crowds. You have to accept to be lonely. You're saying, but what about my friends? And what about Friday nights? And what about... Sometimes you're going to have to be lonely for Christ. Standing alone, everyone's going here except for you. Be alone for Christ. It's a test. Let's look at how we know that test. 2 Kings 2, 3 and 5. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him again, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Sometimes there's going to be a season of painful isolation. When the vision of God seems kind of difficult, not everyone sees what you see. People around you don't see when you, when maybe, you know, when you're on your college campus or in your dorm rooms and and you're trying to be different, nobody gets why, like, live your life, man. It's like, we're on college, like, this is the time. Nobody sees what you see. So, of course, They're not going to stand next to you. Sometimes even your family doesn't see what you see, doesn't see the calling that you have. And so maybe you have to stand alone sometimes. It's a test. Are you willing to be alone for Christ? Because I want the Holy Spirit. I want you to think for a second. You see, he had a great Elisha, his size was going to be shrunk without Elijah. 
So it's a temptation. Like imagine Elisha is like Elijah's man, right? He's his right-hand man. And now if Elijah's gone, I'm going to be this big. Elisha still, he said, I'm ready to be alone. I'm ready to be alone. I get it. Keep silent. Don't rub it in. Don't distract me. I'm ready to be alone. Next test. The test of faith. Listen to this. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them in a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. What's the test of faith? You see, God is totally free to interrupt the natural laws of science for his work and his servants. The test of faith is, are you willing to be used supernaturally? Are you willing to be used in a supernatural way? You're like, what are you talking about? Am I going to be like a miracle performer? Why not? Why not? And if you're filled with the Spirit of God and you're used to change lives, we read the book of Elements. I don't know if you guys remember last Lent we read Elements. There was volume one and two was the first book. We didn't do the series on the rest, but it was three and four. If you read the next, the rest, the second book, you're going to see a person who turns the world upside down. He changes the whole world. This is something. Are you willing to be used by God in a special way? You say, you know what? Let me just stay in my little corner, my little life. Then there's the test of ambition. How bad do you want to be for Christ? It says, and so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Elisha is telling Elijah, I don't want to be like you, Elijah. I want to be double you. Wow. Wow, Elisha. Look at how much he's ready to be used by God. If you want the power of the Spirit of God, four tests. First one is loyalty. Second one is what? Who remembers? Loneliness. Third one is test of faith. And the fourth test is test of ambition. How much do you want the Spirit of God to do mighty things through you? This is a challenge before all of us. You might need to take some risks. You might risk being in danger. Look what happens here. Elijah gives Elisha a blank check. He says, what do you want me to do? Ask what do you want me to do? He's like, I want to be double Elijah. I want a double portion of Elijah. And he says, this is a very hard thing to ask. But if you are with me when it happens, you'll get it. And he got it. To the point where his disciples or the other prophets said, the spirit of Elijah has rested upon Elisha because he can now do the same miracles. And if you read the miracles of Elisha, if you keep reading 2 Kings chapter 2, keep going on, you'll see that Elisha did unbelievable miracles. Read it. It's a beautiful story of Elisha. Fantastic in that somebody filled with the Spirit of God. It's the test of obedience. It's the test of how much I want to walk with Him. What I want you to know is keep walking with people who have it. Elisha walked with Elijah because he knew he had it. Who do you surround yourself with? People who are going to take away your spirit or, or increase your spirit? Are the people around you draining you spiritually and making you 
the worst version of yourself. They make you miserable and they make you, you're a complainer now and now you're negative and you don't like anything at church and you don't like whatever. Hang out with people that are better than you. People that love the Lord. People that are willing to sacrifice for Christ. People are willing to be alone for Christ. People are willing to be different in the world. Don't hang out with the, the, the people that are foolish. It's enough. I'm going to end right here. When can we have people say, today is the last day I'm going to live like this? I need to be around Elijah. I need to, be, to have a double portion of Elijah to be mighty in Christ, to receive power, to do the things of God. And glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.